Welcome to the Hawkeye Psychic Podcast. And you're very welcome back to the Hawkeye Psychic Rugby Podcast with your host Mark Howdy, joined by Liam O'Brien this week. Uh, Liam, I say we were recovering last week after uh, the Toulouse-Munster game, but how are you keeping anyway? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, keeping going, man. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to a uh, cracking weekend of rugby ahead anyway, sure. Absolutely. And I suppose, Liam, we could probably start off with it maybe we're a week and a half after that epic tussle between Munster Rugby and Toulouse, maybe get your thoughts on that, leading into probably the Leinster Rugby Toulouse semi-final, massively impressive performance of Leinster. Uh, who would they face? La Rochelle and Roland O'Gara after La Rochelle defeated Racing 19-2. And then we'll look at the URC round 18, unbelievably lame. <laughs> we're at the end of the regular season, so we'll have a look at the preview of those fixtures. An awful lot of fixtures with playoff ramifications. So we'll have a look at there, get our crystal balls out and take from there. I suppose, Liam, let's start from the start. I suppose Munster to lose in the Aviva Stadium. What an atmosphere. What's your initial thoughts, reflections on the game that was? In, in some respects, it, it, it was a season-defining performance, but it also put Munster back in the, the hearts and minds of their supporters, you know, because maybe there had been a, a bit of a disconnect there for a while that... We weren't playing any rugby at all, and the performances were quite poor for this this build about it until until maybe the last month and a half or so, like you know. And it, it it's another one of those kind of stinging stinging defeats that that lives there. That's going to, you know, motivate I think Munster going forward, and also you know it will also kind of spur on the fans in a sense as well, you know. So um, I suppose when I look back at it, I mean, we, we, we've already heard from the likes of Raj, who was kind of a bit, you know, analytical about it, a bit critical about it. We've heard Matty Williams, who was maybe particularly harsh, but overall, like, incredibly proud of the, the performances. It was actually heroic. Like, it was, you know, considering even all the players that we were missing. Uh, and again, you're up against a full strength uh, Toulouse. We played brilliantly, didn't we? Like, overall... Played brilliantly. Yeah, the last episode, Liam, we asked for a variation. We asked for Munster players to go out and express themselves. And to a man, they did that. I think, you know, we varied up the play very well. Our breakdown turnover rate was absolutely phenomenal on the day. Peter Armani, heroic, led by example. Alex Cadellan, the young guys, Tom Ahern, Jenkins, Witcherly, Klein. You know, the scrum may have had issues at various points, but my God, Josh Witcherly for the, the opening try, what hands uh, to hang on to that ball, retain it, and then present for the opening try. Enough lot, enough lot of upside in that performance, Liam. And as he rightly said, if there was any doubt in terms of the hearts and minds between the supporters and the squad of players and management, the synergies were there, weren't they? In full effect in the Aviva for the whole... 100 minutes and beyond thought the atmosphere was absolutely electric and uh, you know Toulouse really did play their part as well I thought it was a fantastic advert for European rugby yeah I mean I mean you you'd never have heard that sort of uh, noise at any other rugby game to be honest with you any sort of international uh, any other sort of uh, provincial game or, or any other club competition so it was actually just phenomenal what support that that we brought up to to Dublin for the game, and you know um we 
we can't find any fault in terms of the the opening half. Like it really did quite so well up to, and then you know, I mean, there we were, sixty minutes, and like you know, we were what we were like uh, twenty four points on the board. Like it was it was crazy, you know, and we were we were ten points up, um, and even you know all the way through extra time, Munster were at the pace of the game. You know, I suppose you know you have to say a bit unlucky in ter- in terms of both at kind of uh, you know the end of uh, the normal time in in the in the the eighty minutes, and then in extra time, you know, uh, a few kind of unlucky kicks because that's all it was. Like it was just crazy unlucky, you know. Um, and in terms of Ben Healy, like we know he's a superb uh, goal kicker anyway. But um, I think it's it's this is his kind of moment that Raj had against Northampton way back there in in 2000. Um, so yeah, he's going to kick on from there. There's no doubt about that. God, I, I the thing is about the about the whole penalty kick thing. Yeah, they're they're World Rugby are now tr- going to trial apparently this thing of kind of a, a an attacker and a defender. I don't know how that's going to go. <laughs> but for she for sheer. Um, suspense and thrill I, I thought it was it was amazing you know the whole penalty kicking as well yeah and I think all credit to lose they were given they were given an almighty scare from Munster Rugby and no going into the game that made no bones that they expected a very tough challenge of Munster but I suppose the ferocity the physicality that they met on that day I'd say even took them by surprise but Take nothing away from Toulouse. I thought the kicks in that sudden death was just ice cold straight from the fridge. You know, starting with Dupont, Ramos, and then and Tamak as well. I mean, they were so clinically executed. Um, so, I mean, I don't think there's any regrets. I wrote an article on Hawkeye Psychic, no regrets on the Friday. And that's certainly coming out of the ground. Uh, you know, on Saturday, disappointed, but there was no regrets. I mean, Munster gave it everything. Uh, it was just, you know, as you say, the team will learn. The young guns will learn massively from the experience. And, you know, I'm expecting Ben Healy to go to the next level now. I mean, as you said, there's going to be plenty of motivation around the dressing room, around the training facilities in Limerick um, after that. We want to get back to that level and we want to get over the line. So I think... It all bodes very well, and I thought the brand of rugby that was played by Munster as well at different parts was, you know, pretty outstanding as well. You know, that expansive attacking width that we'd asked for. It came in in plenty of, plenty of space, particularly in the second and third quarter. Yeah, and, and, and to be honest, we, we, we talk about Leinster, obviously, you know, and, and the higher plane did that they're at. But we are also playing at a level that few teams in Europe could live with us, quite frankly, you know. And it's just that Toulouse were always able to to answer. They had that real, like the quality teams have in the championship minutes. They're able to get key scores and and stick in the game, um, because other teams certainly wouldn't wouldn't have been able to beat Munster at all um, on the day. So yeah, I mean, and again, we seem to have this thing like the like like all good teams that we we are now consistently playing to a very high standard week in, week out. And I don't think that's going to change between now and the end of the season. Which no, means we, we have we have a real opportunity of winning something between now and the end of the season as well. Yeah, I think the momentum from the, the month and a half, you, you captured it beautifully there at the start of the podcast here, Liam. 
that form, the form guide has been on an upper curve here. And just because of one result, I don't think that's going to derail things. I think the immediate reaction, I think, from players and management was, you know, they gave a good performance. Obviously, there's areas to improve, obviously. But, I mean, there's been kind of the unexpected week off uh, last week. But, again, they'll go hell for leather in the URC, particularly with the regular season finale this weekend, and into the playoffs. And uh, the whole expectation here, Liam, would be that Munster Rugby, the momentum they built, that can't be derailed now. I mean, we need to go deep into this URC playoffs and try to secure silverware. I think that's been the key objective of this group of players uh, this season, uh, particularly with Van Gran and Larkham uh, leaving. I think it's uh, got to be plenty of motivation there. And I think Van Gran's reaction in the final whistle to lose, I thought, you know, captured an awful lot in terms of, you know, maybe some regrets there in terms of that Munster weren't getting to the next, you know, stage. I think you're quite emotional at full time. And I think kind of shows as well in terms of Van Gran. I know we've been critical in terms of how everything has been managed with bat rugby, but I think you can't really say the guy is not fully vested, 100% vested in the Munster program at the moment with that reaction coming off the pitch uh, there Saturday week last. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, <clears throat> I mean, he, he was in tears, like, you know, it obviously meant so much to him because he, he's coming towards the end and wants to, wants to win with a silverware, like, you know, um, and it's one of those things where you, where you you put it all out on the pitch and there's literally not much more you could have could have done to, to win the game and you you lose by a penalty kick or two. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's always it's always been wondering really, hasn't it? Really, is it just that Van Grads are a really poor coach, or are the players not good enough, or was he not able to get a, a clear sort of game plan together? And you know that the players are there. That's quite clear, you know. So um, I wish him well in 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 the the URC and uh, in trying to plot. <laughs> A Leinster defeat, maybe in the final as well. Absolutely, and I suppose we we'll get to that later on, Liam. But uh, I suppose immediate reaction, you know, the game itself. I think Tom O'Hearn mentioned an out-of-body experience. I felt that definitely an extra time when Zombie the Cranberries came on. It just, I think, galvanised everyone in the stadium, and even there was Toulouse fans uh, beside me were kind of literally kind of looking around, you know, you know, hair standing at the back of the neck. It was just a ferocious atmosphere. Uh, but again, you know, we'll get to probably the Leinster preview in due course. I suppose then, fast forward the tape onto last weekend, Liam, uh, to lose again, you know, seeking a third Irish provincial scalp. And I suppose the lead up to this was how much this would have taken out of Toulouse, given that performance that Munster had delivered. And to be fair to Leinster, I thought it was a marvellous performance from start to finish. And I would argue if even Toulouse were probably fully rested here. I think they would have struggled all ends up. What was your uh, feelings on the game? 40-17 uh, win for Leinster over Toulouse? Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, Le- Leinster were like superb in, in, in all facets. And oh yeah, I, I, I agree. I think they would have won anyway um, against Toulouse if Toulouse had been rested, but um, it certainly wouldn't have been anyway as comp- as comprehensive. That That's that's the way I feel. Um God, it, I, what what amazes me about about Leinster is they're doing stuff that really, honestly, other teams can't do and and can't possibly attain, 
Uh, it's just the, the, the kind of, they're, they're always moving the point of attack. And, <laughs> and no matter how good the defences are, it's almost impossible to, to, to wonder where they're coming from next, you know? So that's, that's, that's the simplest thing about it. Um, all these different angles. And they're, they're coming at you in waves. And um, I don't know, did I say this before, but it's kind of like they actually now play the, almost the most French of rugby. The, the interchanging of, of backs and forwards. <laughs> and I suppose you could you can remember there with that, that outrageous pass there from Tyg Furlong. That was incredible, uh, wasn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, they are getting to that almost stage. You know what I mean? They're almost better than the French teams at the French game. That, that's, that's kind of what stands out for me in general terms. That even though, you know, um, Toulouse, funny enough, got the, got the first try, that they, they 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 were immediately back Leinster and they uh, they answered quite uh, quickly with a try of their own and uh, they were never really at that st- I, I, I'd say probably when they got to like their their second try I mean pro- honestly Van der Freer is probably over at that stage you know what I mean uh, but um, yeah uh, just um, Van der Freer was 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 brilliant but I thought I thought Ring Rose I thought for me Ring Rose was was unbelievable in that game. Like he, the way he ran, the way he he was able to vary his game, his little dinky kicks over the top, um, as well, were was incredible, and that that partnership of himself and Henshaw is obviously key to almost opening up for the rest of the the attack as well. Yeah, I totally agree. Top the centres really had a phenomenal game for uh, for Leinster, but I suppose start from the start. I mean. Uh, we heard at length from Leinster before this game about collisions, collisions being the key. And I suppose reminded of that La Rochelle result in Europe last season where they got turned over from collisions. They were very conscious of that, but I thought from a pack perspective, I know there was maybe a few scrummaging issues here for Leinster that they need to address before the final. But to a man, the collisions were won by Leinster. And the concern, I think, for me, for Toulouse was that the tackle count didn't it shouldn't wasn't going to be getting too high too early but I mean from minute one here Liam Caelan Doris some of the running lines were just phenomenal he was breaking at a rate of knots support lines all over the shop to lose scramble defense superb and maybe set up the two the DuPont try to a certain extent that the scramble defense was so good that DuPont basically sticks the leg out gets a fortunate bounce but Toulouse's tackle count was 174 for the 80 minutes. And given the 100 minutes against Munster, that ability of players to get up, support their colleagues again and again and again. And as you said, the focal point of attack, Ross Maloney, I thought Liam as well, had an absolutely outstanding game. All the talk's been about Johnny Sexton, and rightly so, and how he's orchestrated and play-made. Everything, that all was good with Leinster. But I thought Ross Maloney terms of that link-up play, he had 11 passes uh, during his cameo. I thought it was an outstanding performance off Maloney, and probably one that Andy Farrell and the Irish management team would have duly noted. Yeah, he certainly was, and I mean, I mean, he he's he's again he's he's a very live option there in terms of second row, where arguably we could be a bit thin on the ground at the moment. I mean, I don't know how long. That uh, Ty Byrne is going to be out for, and 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 kind of Henderson also seems to have an injury profile constantly as well. So yeah, he certainly is going to be one of those guys up there. Like Van der Fleer, of course, for me, like probably you know, and and Doris, 
they're just there's just incredible back rows, you know. And I, I think that that the the rook ball was probably I don't know, it was like a second, one one and a half seconds, two seconds. It was like that that's what you need to have to to open up defences. Um and and they had that all game as well, didn't they? It was so well drilled, wasn't it? Just in terms of the clear out, not committing too many guys into the rook. But again, for Gibson Park, the presentation of ball to Gibson Park to get that ball out, I thought it was just world class. And I felt so sorry for to lose three quarters. They had to make massive defensive reads from minute one. And even the players around them, you know, making kind of a, a slight defensive read was being pounced upon completely. And, you know, you look at the stats of James Lowe, Hugo Keenan uh, and O'Brien. I mean, Lowe, two tries, 13 carries, 105 metres. And endless kicking meters as well. On top of that, Hugo Keenan full back on airing one try, eleven carries, ninety six meters. O'Brien seven carries, sixty seven meters. I mean, really tells the tale of the tip there in terms of your quick book ball that your back three can really hit. I suppose three hundred plus yards effortlessly there, and as well as that we haven't even mentioned the Henshaw and Ringrose as well, they contributed I think for about 90 to 100 metres as well, so I mean you tally all that up, 606 metres 134 carries 31 defenders beaten, I think from a Leinster perspective, Toulouse were very much a beaten docket, I thought at halftime really uh, Liam, as you said, and to be fair to Leinster, they probably left points behind them, uh, in that second half particularly, uh, you know uh, but again, all scope for improvement at Lancaster, Cullen Tommy will be mentioning to the first team guys, particularly when we get to La Rochelle. Yeah, I, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, and I said like, yeah, it, it, probably in the second half they they did actually leave a, a good deal of points behind them, but um, I I suppose really the thing is that the Toulouse were a bit gassed out towards the end there. Um, and look, I mean, you you can't really fought a almost almost. Uh, flawless performance really from Leinster and uh, if they play like that in the final they're just going to blow La Rochelle away the only, the only way they're going to lose is to get into and they're capable of doing scores of La Rochelle maybe that's their, their, their grand game plan an absolute dogfight just a dogfight from, from minute one that's the only way to be honest any team really now is going to beat Leinster um, but uh, hugely impressive yes from from, yeah. from, from Blues yeah Exactly. I suppose, Liam, any concerns for Leinster Rugby? I mean, Tyg Furlong, you know, had his cameo uh, then was replaced uh, pretty early in the game by Michael Alatoa. And I thought Alatoa, considering circumstances, quit himself well. But any concerns you see here from Leinster Rugby? I mean, we'll talk about La Rochelle now in a few minutes, but just in terms of a final in Marseille, any kind of underlying issues here for Leinster Rugby to maybe address heading into that showpiece? Um, yeah, you know, I mean, obviously, uh, at this stage, when you're in your when you're what two, two weeks out or whatever, it's it's going to be uh, t- key to get Furlong in, into that team and in, into that scrum because um, La Rochelle have have, a, have a definitely got a very big scrum there. Um, I think that you know, Leinster basically they need to probably get get a good few. Uh, tries on the board early, you know, and and maybe like kind of set the tempo in that in that sense, you know, not have this kind of uh, kicking like uh, penalties back and forth and that sort of thing that would play into La Rochelle's hands. Um, 
so that that's that's kind of what I'd be thinking on there. Yeah, I think Marseille as well. The time of year down in Marseille and South France as well. If conditions are going to be hot, it's going to be very attritional in terms of squad impact and impact off the bench. As you say, maybe a fast start from Leinster might be required here. So maybe get a two-score game open early and see if La Rochelle maybe changed their game plan a little bit. I suppose the scrum as well is going to be probably an area of big focus and maybe mall defence as well, um, as well, uh, just considering La Rochelle being a very strong pack. But I think overall here, Liam, 1,004 metres from kicks gained during the 80 minutes for Leinster. And you saw the touch finders from James Lowe, Hugo Keenan, Johnny Sexton. The yardage they were getting on the ball, you know, really, really good touch finders. I mean, that's going to be another kind of fascinating battle, I would think, when you have Brice Doolan and the back three there from La Rochelle as well. So it's going to be a fascinating final. I suppose we can get to La Rochelle. Played at a very sparse lawns venue um i think the organizers really will need to have a rethink in terms of scheduling again racing 92 committed to a concert very much like monster rugby uh on the weekend so the decision was to move this fixture four to five hours north to Lance. and to be fair despite all the school kids coming out it was a fairly poor atmosphere but all credit to la rochelle i've kind of noted down here that la rochelle stuck to the process kept her composure while Racing 92 imploded. What were your thoughts, Liam, on that 2013 win for Ronan Agarra's side? That, that's it, yeah. Just, they just simply kept her composure more. I, I suppose the thing is, when you when you look at that game compared to the uh, Leinster-Toulouse game, it's like chalk and cheese, like, you know? Yeah. And, and and you would instantly say, you know, they're just going to absolutely take them to, to, the, to the well and they're going to blow them apart. But you know, I, mean, I think we have to remember La Rochelle beat Leinster last year, <laughs> and I know a lot can happen in a year. But you know, they 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 have that game plan capable of doing it. And and yeah, again, I, I I'm quite impressed with with the La Rochelle forwards. I have to say, um, while their half backs, I suppose he West is quite a average at best. I would have maybe you know, and kind of a weak a weak point. Anyway. Um, you know, again, Aldrich is a, immense. Um, uh, Antonio in the in the scrum is immense as well. Um, they they were really packed that I really just I like I like the way that they played. Yeah, and I think it was really sticking to the process there. Ogara's game plan and the backroom staff's game plan. I suppose racing ninety two. I mean, we talked about this in previous episodes here, Liam. You know, they're always the bridesmaid, never the bride. And again, you know, they go 10-0 up here after a very shaky display from West early on, on the kicking tee. Let's be brutally frank about it. You know, two from six. Um, 10-0 up, Fakatoa scores a great try. You think that is the the platform for which Racing 92 would then create a bit of width. But as you say here, Liam, that La Rochelle pack, this was pure playoff pack-orientated platform victory. I mean, Racing 92 really didn't have any answers to La Rochelle, particularly in the set piece. And I suppose Aldrich gets to try 10-8, you know, really kind of a dominant scrum. Aldrich and Pack crash over. Again, there's a few spurts here from Racing 92, but then you have Shat and Sa basically getting sin-binned in one minute of each other. 
And even though it didn't really overly impact the game, I think the closing stages of it, it was probably a key turning point because La Rochelle and the referee, they could sense anyway that Racing 92's pack were completely under pressure. And uh, to be fair to La Rochelle, it was a very composed end to the game, uh, being 15-13 up and then spreading it out wide for West, who I think is a very dynamic ball carrier here, Liam. You know, I think his place kicking has to really improve. It was exposed in the final last year against Toulouse. And maybe because La Rochelle's offloading game was so good prior to that. But I think for West, he's a very dynamic ball player. And maybe is it, it'd be a bit of a ballsy call off Rodge or something like that to maybe put in maybe a Brees Doolan or someone to that effect to change the kicking duties. Because this final could be decided really on a place kick. And I mean, if West continues the averages that he's averaging, particularly in the semi-final, uh, La Rochelle could be runners-up again in this competition, which would be a better blow for the club and Roland Garrett personally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Dolin is 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 actually a quite a good goal kicker, as far as I know. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's what they might have to do from, from the very start, you know. But you know, it, it was it was a scrappy game, but at the, at the same time, even with you know. West uh, poor kicking off the tee, they were still able to get over the line, you know. Um, and, and and we have to remember he he got the the games like the side and try, um, as well. So he 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 does he does run well with the ball as well. But you know I I'm I'm sure O'Gara is thinking along the same lines as well. Yeah, indeed. I suppose what off racing ninety two here, Liam. <clears throat> An awful lot of expectation on racing ninety two given their pool stages, performances, their comprehensive victory over Stade Francais, the local Parisian derby. And then Sale Charks did give them a bit of a fright and maybe give a bit of a preview to La Rochelle and where to basically pick their battles on. But I suppose Racing 92, if you're looking at the draw, looking at the likes of Leinster, Toulouse, Munster, Leicester, teams of that ilk on one side of the draw, Surely this is a massive opportunity lost for Racing 92 and their marquee playing group. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think, you know, every team has has their, their time at the top and, and Racing have had theirs. And I suppose, let's be honest, just like Clermont before them and Stad before them, they made a number of finals. And, and, and where are they now? They're absolutely nowhere. So I, I think that's that's the, the reality with Racing. They kind of focused almost on, on buying up an incredible back line and then not really much up front. And that was also kind of maybe uh, part, of, part of the problem as well. And and I suppose you'd have to say maybe some sort of kind of, some, some of the talent was a bit a bit flaky. You, pro, uh, you know, as good as he is, Finn Russell, he's not going to be a, a European Cup winning out half as well. So, yeah, I, th- I think it's a glorious opportunity that uh, they missed. But I, I just felt anyway before before the game that, you know, they have th- all the qualities of a winning team were in La Rochelle rather than in Racing. And to be honest, it, it, they, they, it, it just it does show you that no matter how much money you have, like almost like throwing money, like, like, in, like in, in football as well. We've seen this in, in the semifinals this season that it doesn't guarantee you anything. You you just have to have that particular mentality, winning mentality in your players more than anything else. And they just don't have that. Yeah. I thought that was probably one of the key points that you've made there at playoffs, you know, really 
both playoffs were won in the trenches last weekend, particularly on the pack, the collisions, and particularly with La Rochelle, really did take this racing institute pack apart. I suppose the fact that they ran for 30 metres in malls, I mean, that was kind of a key stat right there. And I mean, it's probably one that Leinster Rugby have really noted in terms of the attacking mall from La Rochelle was such a weapon for them last weekend. Racing 92 again, repeatedly getting pinged for, you know, indiscretions. And to be fair to La Rochelle, they can probably play two ways. The pack-orientated approach last year they were maybe a little bit more cavalier in terms of their offloading game particularly with west at 10 they've really kind of refined it back a little bit really get aldrith and the rest of his pack to really kind of be the you know the focal point but i suppose with leinster i think it's a very intriguingly poised final just given marseille in france i think the conditions will be extremely difficult for leinster here how they will manage that but also i think from a la rochelle perspective if Leinster go too expansive too early, I think that Rochelle quite capable of executing an offloading game, particularly with West at 10. So Leinster, Leo Cullen, Stuart Lancaster, I think it's going to be a fascinating watch, just given last season, what lessons have been learned from that La Rochelle loss. And I mean, the physicality, the collisions, again, it's going to be a fascinating matchup, particularly in that pack. And I mean, Tyke Furlong, as you say here, Lean, has to be, has to be back, because otherwise, I think it could be advantage La Rochelle, particularly in that front five exchange. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it, absolutely crucial. And another thing I'm, I'm trying to figure out here is about Will Skelton. He hasn't been around. I know he's probably injured, but like he would be an absolutely colossal um, option, even off the bench, like, you know, a second row, come, come back row. So um, if he was available as well, that would really incredibly help uh, La Rochelle. But uh, yeah, I, I I think it's going to be I, I think it's going to be a quite a tight affair, and I think I think Leinster are going to have the toughest game of the year. Uh, well, as, as you probably would expect, um, in the final, the the toughest opponents are going to meet all year. And to be fair to Johnny Sexton, to be fair to Leo Cullen and Leinster management, to be very quick to kind of heap praise on La Rochelle. And really earmarking that game as one of the toughest games of the season for Leinster Rugby. They know the experience firsthand from last season, how La Rochelle, pack-wise, really did win the collisions. And I think that's probably a very big motivation factor for Leinster to get right on the in the final in a few weeks' time. But again, I think it's uh, tantalisingly poised, really, uh, just given... You know, the location, I'm, you're probably hearing the venue a bit here, but, you know, Marseille could be the mid to late 20s uh, on a Saturday afternoon, evening. Again, La Rochelle have experience of top 14 playing in playoff conditions like this, where you have to pick your moments to pick the intensity up for 10, 15 minutes to really conserve energy and then literally go all out. Leinster won't be able to kind of go full 80 minutes here. They're going to have to pick moments here whether to expand, to be expansive or not. So I think from that experience, I think La Rochelle do have a bit of an advantage here. So I think it's all to play for for Leinster to get really the matchups right and to really kind of execute their game plan um, at pivotal moments. And again, that bench is going to be absolutely massive. I think players will be coming off after 45 minutes of this final as well. And it's how good's your bench? You mentioned Nick Skelton there, particularly that would be a massive unit to come on to close out the game. And I think La Rochelle to a man coming on 
I just thought the resiliency and determination that La Rochelle last weekend was key. Once you know Wests, you know, if your ten wasn't really doing it off the tee, they still continued to execute the process and the game plan. And I suppose that must be the most pleasing feature for Ronan O'Gara and his backroom staff that La Rochelle really did keep their composure massively well, given that perspective. Ten nil down, West shanking kicks at goal. It was just you know it looked like one of those days, but they refused to kind of let that kind of seep into their mentality and I think we're very deserving winners and congratulations and no doubt Raj knows Leinster inside out so I think that'll be a, quite a fascinating matchup. Liam we might go to URC uh, regular season is concluding this weekend round 18 hard to believe and if you're an organiser at the start of the season given the league standings that we're really in at the moment I think the organisers have to be very happy with themselves just given how many open questions there are in terms of the playoffs. We already know that Leinster Rugby are advancing as top seeds, but after that, from two to eight, it is very much a toss-up in terms of a result here or a result there could literally fundamentally change the playoff picture. What are you kind of uh, looking forward to this weekend, I suppose, Liam, uh, in terms of these fixtures and... What's your general impressions? Do you do you suspect that there will be kind of a, a real surprise result here in this round 18 that will really fundamentally kind of change the playoff dynamics here? What I'm hoping for is something that hasn't happened the entire season for <laughs> round one, which is the Welsh teams bloody well play some rugby and actually win uh, some big games, yeah? So um, we'll say with the, the Stormers going to Clinetley and, and the Bulls, the Ospreys, again, the momentum, Munster have momentum, the South Africans have momentum, but but surely to God, final game of the season at home in front of their big, big crowd, the Welsh teams have to perform, surely. They're capable of doing it. I mean, I mean on their day, you know, the likes of the Ospreys and Clinetley are capable of doing it. And that's that's really what I want to see because that would go a long ways for... for uh, the Irish teams to get the the one two three, which I expect could very well happen. Oh, absolutely. I mean, let's look at the Welsh teams and who are they playing in the last round. I suppose Benetton Cardiff is on Friday night. I mean, probably a fifty fifty call here. I mean, given two sides are going to be creating expansive with, I think that's a fifty fifty game. But as you say, Ospreys entertaining the Bulls in the Liberty Stadium. Uh, you also have the Dragons against the Lions and also the Scarlets against the Stormers. So, I mean, no sense of motivation here for many of these home teams really to put on a performance, an end-of-season game. Players obviously departing these teams at the end of the season. So squad, team, management would want to send these players off in the right sentiment. The weather, dry tracks, Welsh teams really do love to play expansive rugby. So... You know, it'll be interesting just to see even Bulls, Ospreys. I mean, that's going to be a fascinating one because the Bulls could be one of these chief recipients. If results go for them, they could very easily be a top three seed. So, I mean, really, as you say, the league really requires these Welsh teams. And I think we'll probably get it here. And particularly the Scarlet Stormers, that looks like a... If the Scarlets really are on form, you know, a really expensive side. Same with Stormers as well. We've seen the potency of the Stormers in previous weeks particularly in their South African homestand. That looks an outstanding fixture as well. So, But, um, yeah, I suppose we can go to the Aviva Stadium again. It's been a common team. Uh, I suppose Leinster probably got to be resting an awful lot of their front-line players against uh, Munster on Saturday night. What are your general feelings there, Liam, in terms of uh, 
that fixture. Uh, I mean, from a Leo Cullen perspective, it's probably a glorious opportunity to give players an opportunity to put the hand up for maybe match day squad selection for the La Rochelle final. So, I mean, Munster have to be very wary and have to deliver a good performance here to get over the line. Yeah, it's a real banana skin, isn't it? Because let's be honest about it already. The two sets of supporters are probably saying that basically it's Munster's to lose, really. Um, but uh, what will not be lacking in motivation is the five or six departing Leinster players who are going to be playing because you're going to have the last game ever for like the the, the retiring uh, Toner and Cronin, and then the lads who are moving on, uh, Adam Byrne, uh, Josh Murphy, uh, Peter Dooley. So, I mean, clearly they're not going to lack motivation in their final home game. Frawley is going to be there, dictating things for sure. Um, and then possibly the O'Briens as well. So And Sirocco, Jesus, yeah. <laughs> It'd be interesting to see him as well. Yeah, and like we, 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 we still also have our kind of injury problems. So we've Zebo now gone and Dianende out and... I suppose Mahoney still recovering, realistically, might not be there, make it as well. And the best we can offer is probably Coombs, Coombs off the bench sometime. So, yeah, we're kind of depleted ourselves, really. But, like, essentially, get a win of any Hugh, and we're probably certainly uh, the second second seed. So that that's huge motivation for a quarterfinal and semifinal at home. Um, and I think I think to be honest, I think we'll I think we'll do it. I think I think we'll we'll, we'll get the win. Yeah, and we'll, we're going to keep playing the way we are playing as well. Yeah, I think the two week break should be significant for Munster to recharge. I know there's the injuries after the Toulouse game, but again, there's guys here to step in to the, fill the breach and even put their hand up for maybe playoff contention. So I'm not too worried about that score, I suppose. From an Leinster's perspective, I know Tommy O'Brien is out. You know, he had a, a knee injury uh, in training last week, so he's out for the season, which is very unfortunate for the player because he was going great guns. But again, I think it's a bit of a banana skin fixture. The Aviva, the O'Cullen has mentioned post-game that 33,000 tickets have already been sold for that game, uh, which is, you know, for an end-of-season, you know, round regular season game. I think it's a phenomenal kind of attendance, and I'd say that will increase as the weekend comes and the hype builds up here. But I think from a Munster perspective, it will be kind of fascinating watch to, just to see has the form continued in terms of their variation, in terms of their skill set and the execution. Uh, hopefully they've learned bits and pieces from that Toulouse performance that they can take onto the park against Leinster. But Leinster are going to be very competitive. This is not going to be handed to a play for Munster. And I really, to be fair to Munster, if they don't really get things right early, keep this Leinster team in the in the mix this could be a very difficult evening's work for Munster, really. So I think 9 and 10 really have to dictate things if, if, if a good bit here for Munster early doors to get that foothold in the game. Yeah, I mean, I mean the thing we, we, uh, we can guarantee about, about Leinster is even if it's their so-called reserves, they're going to play the exact same game that the front-line players play in the exact same way, at the exact same pace, quite frankly, because they can, they can do that at the exact same pace. So we have to be able for that. But like, uh, you'd have to say like in the back row, you know, if we have uh, Kendall in there and if we have a Jack O'Donoghue, I mean, I I think they can definitely better them there. Um, It'd be very interesting, of course, in the the scrums as well, you know, 
um, to see how we go against, you know, it has to be said, like, if it's going to be like, like so Cronin and Healy um, or Ed Byrne, Dooley, like, you know, still very, very powerful, powerful props there. Uh, good scrummage, all good scrummagers as well. Um, and of course, Scott Penny as well. But, you know, um, for me, yeah, the, the thing is, um, what are we going to do at half back? Like, we, we still have tactically to think about who, who we're going to be starting at about, about, about nine and ten. And uh, also, uh, even in, in terms of the second row, I mean, surely Tom Ahern has put his hand up for an actual start. I mean, I'd love to see him starting actually in the, in the second row. And in terms of, um, I suppose, in, in the backs, uh, I hope to see Andrew Conway back at this stage. I think he's, he's kind of nailed on. So it's it's looking very good for guys to really put their hands up for the running games as well. Yeah, completely agree with Dirty Lane. And I mean, Tom Ahern probably mentioned it in his press conference today. Just in terms of the easy access that Leinster got, particularly in that Tom Park fixture um, in a, a few weeks ago. Um, again, that can't really happen here. Again, so I think lessons must be learned. It would be very ironic, but is this the opportunity for Jason Jenkins to get a start? Um, you know, may to see Leinster see what they're going to be getting next season. Because certainly his work rate, uh, Liam, against Toulouse was nothing short of phenomenal. You know, the two turnovers, nine tackles. You know, he was, you know, all action. And I think Leinster will be probably very keen to see some action for Jason Jenkins anyway. So I think a Jenkins horn might be a good kind of combination there. Mm-hmm. As you say, I think we have to kind of front up, particularly, you know, in our pack, see if we can get this game kind of done, put to bed maybe in 15 minutes. It's going to be not easy. But I think from a Munster perspective, it's really kind of getting this game nailed down early. I suppose you have to kind of go probably with a Murray, Casey, kind of Carberry tandem there. And then after that, then, you know, you're probably having a Farrell, Delende not being there. So maybe it's probably Scandal, potentially. I suppose fullback comes into it. Mike Haley is a doubt as well, uh, given he's um, um, kind of withdrawal from the Toulouse match. So again, you're looking at maybe kind of a Shane Daly, Matt Gallagher, as you say, and Andrew Conway may be going back in there as well. So, obviously, Keith Orbs will be playing back three here as well. So, I mean, you don't want to kind of change things too much, particularly in that back line, because there's an awful lot of cohesion in the last few weeks. But, yeah, must can approach this in the right manner and really kind of get the tempo, you know, get the tempo and rhythm in their play. Then, you know, really ask a few questions of Leinster particularly down the stretch, I think we should be winning the game. But again, I, this is by no means a foregone conclusion. And I think Leinster, I think Leo Cullen, Felipe Conthomi, and particularly Stuart Lancaster may have a few tough decisions to make, particularly in that match day final squad for La Rochelle in the Heineken Champions Cup, because guys may be bouncing off the ground here to get on a plane to Marseille. Um, I suppose maybe we can maybe get a few predictions from you in terms of these round 18 games, because an awful lot have playoff ramifications. So I suppose... Probably the first one, probably not. Benetton rugby against Cardiff Blues. Who do you fancy in that one? Um, yeah, Benetton and Cardiff Blues. Yeah, in- interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's funny if I'd actually probably would go with, with, with Benetton. I just had have a feeling, yeah, that it's been a, a bit of a write off of a season if we look at it like for Cardiff. Um, and Benetton, they actually play some beautiful rugby at times. They don't sustain it as well for their full 
for 80 minutes, they probably like are kind of a, a 40 minute team. That's that's probably been their problem all season. But I, I take Bennett on to to uh, to nick it to to get the uh, three points against Cardiff. Yeah, Ulster Sharks. No, that's the first game I'll be watching. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> Ulster Sharks. Um, yeah, I, I just I just fancy uh, Ulster against the Sharks. I I kind of have a feeling that the Sharks are not a team. They're like a, a, a kind of a team of individuals rather than than otherwise. Uh, they will click at some point, like really click, <laughs> which is scary. But um, I think Ulster have all the motivation here they need to basically win and uh, guarantee themselves the top four. Anyway, top four spot. So Ulster by seven points, I reckon. I think this could be one. Yeah, I, I think Ulster, but I think Sharks, pack boys, their physicality is going to ask Ulster an awful lot of questions. And for Mullen, I'd say he's going to have to be on top form again to really, you know, contend with that Sharks physicality because you know it's going to come. You know they're going to have periods of pressure here from Ulster rugby, but I suppose just given Doak, given Balacon, given Lowry, given the fast ground here, home field advantage here as well a good crowd going to be a king span as well it would be a rather horrible shame for us to rugby if they were now to literally lose this game and then get into on the road for the playoffs so i'm gonna hesitantly give that to Ulster because i think sharks are going to provide a bit of a, a bit of a stern test here for Ulster. uh ospreys v bulls yeah wow did this this is a going again another cracking game actually yeah um, I, I I saw uh, the last game. Say the Ospies were playing against the Dragons, and it was just like uh, total barbarians rugby by by the Dragons. But funny enough, it was, it was brutish rugby by um, forward forward tries from the Ospreys. Okay, Ospreys and the Bulls. I would have to just still say the Bulls. The Bulls just bring a sort of a power game. Um, like in a way the the sharks that is very difficult to contend with. So I go bulls plus six points. Yeah, I'm not sure for me because I mean Ospreys have shown at various points of the season that they can be competitive. I'm just thinking back to November, Liam, when uh, Munster Rugby went to Ospreys and Ospreys did a, a job on Munster, particularly from a back row and a front five perspective and. I think that could be a fascinating clash between the Ospreys and Bulls, particularly in the pack exchanges. I'm going to hesitantly bet here on Ospreys maybe pulling. I think there's a shock result here in terms of playoffs, and I think this may be one where nobody's really expecting the Ospreys to really make much. But I think Ospreys under Toby Booth have made steady progress. There's been ups and downs, yes, but, I mean, once they kind of get it right, Stephen Myler there to attend kicking field goals, I think there's a case in point here. I think Ospreys maybe finished the season off well. And maybe Pitbulls here late on, maybe a two, three point win. Uh, Leinster, Munster, get your viewpoint there, Dean. Yeah, Leinster, Munster. Yeah, I I, I, th- I think going on the home stretch, we'll have quite a bit, you know, when I say that in the last 15 minutes, I think we'll, we'll have a bit of a, a lead um, ahead of them. So I'm going to go with Munster by 10 points in the end. Yeah, I think all the motivation here is from Munster Rugby really to secure the home field advantage. Otherwise, it's either Kingspan or South African trip. Uh, it's either that or Tone Park, really, to be fair. And I think players will be motivated to stay 
within their province, the quick turnaround to the playoffs. So I think from that perspective, I think Munster Rugby, but again, I think take nothing away from Munster Rugby here. I think this will be a strong challenge. And I think from a Munster Rugby perspective, they have to be on top form. If not, then this result is maybe a 50-50 call. But I think Munster maybe by 7 to 10, uh, for sure. Uh, the Glasgow-Edinburgh game in Edinburgh uh, here, Liam, I suppose it's the fight for 7 and 8 spots in the playoffs. Who are you fancying in there? You know, I mean, let's be honest with you, Edinburgh should, should, should definitely have beaten um, when they actually woke up in their slumber against Ulster, you know. Um, and they have been way more impressive this season, I think, overall than Glasgow. Glasgow, and, uh, uh, they were the worst of all teams that travelled to South Africa. They were just absolutely on their feet. And I don't see any any way back for them now. Um, so I would say Edinburgh, I'd give them eight points. I would probably agree with you there. I think Glasgow's been an up and down season, particularly that uh, the Challenge Cup as well. There's a good campaign there, but obviously fell short. Uh, uh, but again, I think from an Edinburgh perspective, I think there needs to be a little bit of an upturn in form here. The home form was the fortress. Uh, but again, that's Wayne with the Ulster Rugby. The Wasps game, I think, was controversial enough in the Challenge Cup to how they lost that. I think Edinburgh, for me, um, they are vulnerable. And same as Glasgow in the playoffs. I think Edinburgh will edge this. They'll take the local bragging rights, but I think they'll go no further at either of these sides. Uh, Dragons lines, I suppose nothing really to play for here, but who are we thinking? I here? guess it's going to be totally barbarians rugby, you know, <laughs> headless chicken sort of stuff. Like it's going to end up something like a 44 37 or something like that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm actually going to go with the, the Dragons to get over the line actually in this game yeah I think that they can do it yeah I think they need another home win at least anyway to boost maybe a little bit of confidence I think how the confidence has been in Dragons here it's just been shaken to the core given their home stand not winning a game until very recent so I think you know maybe Dragons but again it depends on the lines you know in terms of their mindset again they've nothing really to play for but I think that'll be a very high scoring game we'll edge it to the Dragons and then Connacht Zebri, I mean, there's been an awful lot of talk here in Galway. Just in terms of the squad selection for Andy Friend here, in terms of does he give cameos for likes of Ulton Delan, guys that are leaving the club, or does he look ahead to give maybe some good academy players game time against a Zebri team that have really struggled this season? Who do you feel, uh, Liam, may uh, be victorious here in Connacht on Saturday night? Oh, yeah. For, uh, con- oh, yeah. Connacht, Connacht for sure. Connacht for sure. But, like, of course, the, the way you're, their best team to do that is starting yeah for sure starting it should be the academy the academy guys and the guys are going to be on next season and then obviously cameos off the bench for the likes of Delan and, and the other players who are leaving that that seems, seems, to be, seems to be the fairest way about it yeah it does seem like there's a few injuries uh coming into that conic game particularly Bundy Akai uh Mac Hansen as well uh Delahunt there's a few kind of marquee guys that are out injured uh, for this fixture, but I suppose I would go with you. Maybe look for your academy, look for the guys that are going to be here uh, for pre-season moving forward. So I think Connacht should win this game relatively easy. But again, it'll be an emotional night given the number of players that are departing the scene for Connacht, particularly the likes of Wilton Delan, uh, that has kind of served the province so well for so many years as he goes to France. And finally, the Scarlets versus the Stormers. And I mean, I think this is another key game here that may be a 50-50 call. Would it be, Liam? Yeah, for me that would be uh, actually the, the upset of the of the weekend actually. Yeah, and I'm 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 basing it on the fact that 
the Stormers were not that impressive against Leinster uh, in the last time out, like, and that definitely they they're they're certainly well beatable. You know, it's also going to be interesting to see. I suppose it's their first time really, just that I can think of the Stormers being in Europe since <laughs> they they started off against uh, Munster back in September. Maybe I'm wrong, but it's the first time I can really honestly remember the, the Stormers being in. Playing in Europe, apart from maybe okay, they might have played with the Italian sides, you know, uh, a few weeks ago at the Benetton's, but yeah, may, so yeah, I think there may have been the trip to Italy, but yeah, yeah but um, apart from that, like you know, it's the first time since Munster, so so uh, I, I think Clinetly well capable of of causing the upset. I, I I'd actually be tipping them by about five points, five or six points. Yeah, I think this is another 50 50 game that again, when you're looking at the results. This could be one that maybe springs to mind. Again, I think Scarlet's have been too up and down for me to really kind of put my hat on them. I think it's the Star Wars for me. I think massive motivation there to be maybe a top two seed, given how things may go on the Aviva. So I would go for the Stormers, but again, not be at all surprised if one or two of the South African teams come a cropper, particularly in Wales. And I suppose predictions-wise here, my predictions here for, you can laugh at me next week, one seed's Leinster, Munster two, Stormers three, Ulster four, Bulls five, Sharks six, Edinburgh seven, and Glasgow eight. I think that's, that's exactly the same. I would go. Yeah, exactly the same. Yeah. But yeah, as yeah. we all know, there'll be a result here that'll basically be a grenade in the middle of it, and then you know mm. it'll be very interesting. You know that a team that you don't expect to be travelling South Africa may have to travel South Africa and vice versa. So all to play for. Liam, we may leave it there. Uh, thanks very much for your time, and look, we'll review uh, the URC round eighteen uh, action and look at the playoff picture. Uh, there maybe a few tasty playoff games there for sure but uh, many thanks for your time uh, Liam thank you that's great Mark thanks enjoyed it thank you for listening to this podcast episode if you liked what you heard in this podcast why not subscribe to the Hawkeye Psychic podcast on either Amazon Spotify YouTube or Twitter platforms you can also follow me at Hawkeye Psychic on Facebook and Twitter for the latest sporting opinions articles and reports 